As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley. Thank you for tuning in. It is another week. But before we get to today's show, I have one bit of housekeeping. You may remember that a few weeks ago I mentioned The Pivot, which is our new documentary series that we are pulling together on Silicon Valley. Well, that is coming to your ears very, very soon. However, it's going to be coming out a few weeks later than I originally said. But trust me, it's worth the wait. I think you're really going to like this. And we're working very hard on it. We just want to make sure it's perfect before we put it out there in the world. So I'll let you know when we have an exact launch date, so make sure you keep your eyes and ears out for the pivot. Now we can get to this week's show. Yo, technology, what is it all about? Now that whole process of scientific discovery is being done by AI and robotics. And in my mind, this is probably the most important thing that is going on right now for humanity and people are only just waking up to that now. This week on the program, we are talking about the future of humanity. Because why not? I sat down with James Field, who's the founder of Lab Genius, a London-based startup that uses artificial intelligence to discover new drugs. Now, if you hear a little bit of faint background noise, that is because this interview in a Danny in the Valley first was recorded poolside at the Beverly Hilton in Los Angeles. I grabbed James between meetings at a conference and we had a quick chat about what he was up to and why the rise of machine learning and AI means that the ability to design superhumans is only a matter of time and all the moral quandaries that that brings up. Uh, it's pretty off the wall, but I'll be keen to hear what you think of what James has to say. So without further ado, I give you James Field. But I must say, before we get started, I noticed your tie. Yeah, so my tie's got thousands of A, T, C's and G's on, which, uh, of course, are the letters corresponding to the uh, genetic alphabet for DNA. <laughs> um, it is, it's very fetching. So, if you could just start with who you are and what Lab Genius is. So, my name's James Field, and I'm the CEO and founder of Lab Genius. And Lab Genius is a synthetic biology company based in London. And we're fundamentally trying to disintermediate humans from the drug discovery process. So taking a complex process that humans normally drive, uh, removing them from it with the objective of being able to make novel therapeutics for unmet clinical needs. So disintermediate humans, you mean just take humans out of the equation? That's right. So there are a lot of, a lot of diseases that 
human scientists have tried for many, many years to develop treatments for. And it all boils down to the immense complexity of biology. And because biology is so horrendously complex, it's something that human scientists can't fully grapple with. And because we can't understand it in all its nuances, it's, it's really difficult to develop treatments against certain diseases. But we see the development of therapeutics as a fundamentally as a search problem. And that's something that technologies like artificial intelligence are exceptionally good at. So if you were to come to our laboratory, you'd see a bank of liquid handling robots that conduct experiments that have been designed by an AI. And then the experimental results are automatically fed back into the system and a new round of experiments uh, are then designed and executed. So using this autonomous scientific discovery process, which we call empirical computation, we're able to explore very large uh, search spaces to find high-performing molecules. For cancer, Alzheimer's, for, for diseases, whatever. Yeah, correct. Right. And how long have you been doing this? So I actually founded the company back in 2012 when I was doing my PhD. And it took me uh, and the team several years before we really got the company off the ground. And it wasn't really until Q4 2017 when we first received our proper seed funding round that things got going. And then over the last uh, 18 months, things have really grown at a phenomenal rate. So we're now a team of about 30 people operating out of a custom-built cutting-edge R&D facility in Bermondsey that used to be an old biscuit factory. Old biscuit factory? It's the Apique-Freen biscuit factory in Bermondsey, which supposedly was the origin of the Bourbon biscuit, um, if you're into your biscuits. <laughs> and uh, now it's just this hotbed of uh, different tech startups, of which we're one. Got you. So can you give a sense of what your system can do that humans can't, or the kind of, I don't know, the, some of the numbers around what, you're able, what you are doing relative to like the traditional approach? Absolutely. So the fundamental way it works is the system, the, the computer, comes up with a number of hypotheses that it wants to test. Now, if you're a human scientist, maybe you come up with a hypothesis that you can collapse into words. So fundamentally, the, the complexity of that hypothesis is... is curtailed both by linguistic complexity and the limits of your cognition and then you have to conduct it in the lab and really the throughput of conducting an experiment is really a function of how many different liquids you can move around by pipetting by hand so it's very 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 low throughput the, with the system that we that we use we can design trillions of hypotheses computationally that then get executed physically in the real world so this is massively parallel generating huge amounts of data and really it's the the large large amounts of data that are generated that is key to driving this process so you need to if you're running any process with ai you need to feed it with a lot of data and that, that's yeah. what this sort of approach enables but so you're talking about trillions of hypotheses obviously you can't test all of those in the real world so that's a cool thing you you absolutely can with biology so we will just to run you through what this process looks like as i say the way that we think about designing a new drug is that that drug already exists it just hasn't been manifested yet so the design for that drug exists in this theoretical solution space now to actually find that drug you just have to be able to search that solution space and for us we can collapse every solution into a genetic design so a string of a t c's and g's that's the, that's the genetic code now when we go from the world of Bit, so on the computer to the world of atoms, mm -hmm. we physically manufacture DNA sequences. So we can manufacture trillions of unique DNA sequences in parallel. 
and then we can test each of those physical DNA sequences in the lab. So we are conducting trillions of experiments in parallel in the lab. And then we use this really cool technology called next generation sequencing to map which of those sequences that we test in the real world, uh, which of those work well and which ones of those don't. And it's that data that then enables us to follow around for that second round of iterative search. And so what does that look like, the stuff that you're actually generating? Is it just like a liquid? I mean, is it a liquid? It, it's, it's, <laughs> is, it, is it even visible? The robotics are really cool, but these molecules are so small that you wouldn't even be able to see right. them. So, so you'll come in and you'll just see bits of liquid being moved around. Um, and it's only when you go from back from the world of atoms into the world of bits that you actually see what see uh, gotcha. with your eyes what's going on. Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. You guys were talking on stage, you are talking about this idea. They talked about what was happening in China. Because obviously AI is bleeding into everything in one form or another. And this idea of designing humans, you think that's an inevit- inevitability? Absolutely. People are beginning to look at the human body in a fundamentally different way. We're going from a world in which we look at ourselves as the end product to a world in which we're looking at ourselves as the starting canvas that, that, that we're all given and, and have the ability to... Um, through self-determinism, change and, and, and modify. Whether it's right or wrong, that's a set of topics for a different discussion, but, but I can say with a high degree of certainty that gene editing and, and the ability to, to change the human genome, to treat diseases and, to, and eventually augment it is something that, that I would say with a high degree of certainty is, is coming. Superhumans. Well, the question of superhumans is actually a highly pertinent one. So... If you, if you think of something, anyone going through IVF at the moment, um, when you do IVF, you have a, several embryos. How do you select which one of those embryos that you want to implant? Now, in some parts of the world, we're seeing screening of those embryos for polygenic traits like intelligence. And those are factors that are starting to influence which embryos get implanted. And that's a, that's a really interesting trend that we're seeing in the sense that once one person does it that almost sets up a forcing function for everybody else mm. to do it as well our children are the uh, are the single things that we invest the most uh, the majority of our resources into and so i think if a lot of people were posed a question of could you could you choose an embryo that statistically is going to be smarter that's something a lot of people would probably think quite hard about but how does that relate to ai we well, have to be able to map the different genes in these embryos to a prediction of some kind of trait. That trait could be likelihood that the resulting person will have a disease or a trait like intelligence. Right. So how do you build those models? And it's, it's uh, machine learning that enables us to do that. So it's ingesting huge amounts of data and correlating that data with genotypes that enables us to build predictive models that enable us to input a genotype and output a prediction for a specific disease. Got you. At or some point, we'll be able to design that kind of raw material. Ah, well, here's the thing. Already in IVF, you have several embryos, and you have to, yeah. you have to, you have to select which one. So I don't think... I think in the short term, we're not going to see... If we're thinking around things around augmentation, it's, in the short term, it's less likely to be direct gene editing uh, and more likely to be... We have harvested a large number of, of embryos and you're going to select the one that is most likely yeah, to... Yeah, it's kind of like a needle in the haystack. Right. 
but powered by AI. Yeah, and, and I think I think um, the challenge of this technology is is for creating people who are healthier, who don't suffer from horrible diseases. That's something that we can all get on board with. But when you start looking at traits for things like intelligence, for things like less likely to have anxiety, these are things that... Athletic ability. Athletic ability. These, these are things that we really need to stop and ask ourselves, are these decisions that we should really be making? But you think we'll, at some point those will decisions that will be able to be made? Many of those decisions it is possible already to make and people are already making them. And the thing that is giving a lot of people pause for concern is the forcing function that this sets up on, on everybody else. Right, right. And how did you end up doing this? So I ended up in this space really as a function of, of, my, of my training. So I trained as a, a synthetic biologist at undergrad, master's and PhD level. And I happened to be going through uh, the educational system at just the right time. So there was this whole confluence of different technologies, gene synthesis, gene sequencing, robotic automation, artificial intelligence. And I was just in the right place at the right time and started this company. And that's how I'm here. Right. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books. Contacts. Calendar. Double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In terms of the kind of the state of the art or the state of the technology, how does this compare to what we have seen thus far? Is this a kind of a completely new era in which we are entering? So I was looking at some of the early schematics for our technology platform, and we started designing the technology platform back in... The earliest kind of full schematic we have dates back to 2013, 2014. And what was funny is when we designed it, none of the technologies actually existed at that point to build it. And it's only really in the last few years that we've seen a lot of those gaps be filled. So certainly this is the things are changing at such an incredible rate that 
what happens at the, the confluence of these exponential technologies like robotic automation, like DNA synthesis, like DNA sequencing, like the power of compute really is incredible. Uh, I think it's pretty unprecedented as well. And the impact that it's going to have on, on, on humanity is, is, is pretty, pretty huge. And it feels like it's under underappreciated at the moment. Well, the biggest wave that's coming on right now is just a fundamental change in, in the way in which scientific, the whole of scientific discovery is being done. And abstracting from what we do, uh, there are a bunch of companies all around the world that are approaching the challenge of scientific discovery in a completely different way to the way that it's been done historically. So historically, humans generate hypotheses, conduct experiments, look at the results and go around that, go around that cycle. Yeah. Now that whole process of scientific discovery is being done by AI and robotics and that's touching every single domain. So from therapeutics to strain engineering to materials, in my mind, this is probably the most important thing that is going on right now for humanity and people are only just waking up to that now. Because the idea is that AI can basically do what humans have been doing for, for eons, but do it at such a different scale and, it, and is able to generate better kind of ideas and test them. Yeah, so it autonomously generates both new knowledge and new technology. And that's really exciting for the, re- for the simple reason that I think it's really sad if we think that as a species, the knowledge that we can generate and the products that we can make and the technologies that we can take advantage of are all pegged to cognition. As soon as you break that link, you're able to access products and technologies that vastly outstrip human cognition so in my mind this is the only way in which we as a species are going to be able to tackle the most pressing problems that we face today in other words going on going beyond the ability of the human brain exactly that sounds far out (laughs) but it's reality and it's happening now and so you as a business how do you make money so actually, it's pretty simple. We have the system that can solve problems that humans can't themselves solve. And the end products, these molecules that come out of that process, just fit into the absolute standard drug discovery process. So, right. so we'll work with a pharma company who will give us the biochemical and biophysical properties of the molecule that they know uh, has the potential to, to treat a disease, but, but human scientists just haven't been able to make it. We'll run our system, produce that molecule, and then just partner with that pharma company to take it to market. And so, theoretically, we could come up with a cure for everything. I think we're entering a future where a whole range of diseases that have previously been unmet clinical needs, we now have the potential to develop therapies for. And that's really exciting. Have you thought about what happens after that when you know we think about population and the world and society... I think there are some really interesting second-order effects that will happen. In the first instance, what happens when humans start to live longer and healthier lives? In the sense that a lot of the problems that society faces right now are really a function of short-term decision-making. It's my hope that if individuals live longer, we'll start to make more sensible long-term decisions. That's yet to be seen whether that, that actually happens, but that, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's certainly my hope. And I think the second piece as well is we don't just need to be living longer lives, we need to be living healthier lives as well. And, and that's, the other, that's, that's, that's the other side to this. So it's, it's, not, it's not just about extending lifespan, it's, it's about extending the health span. Right. So this could be like, I don't know, the new penicillin or some, something that is going to theoretically catapult forward another kind of jump 
in longevity? I think, I think these are technologies that will spawn a whole new generation of products and, and a wave of innovation that, that will be absolutely unprecedented. Now the challenge here is none of these products are going to solve everything. So these, these, this new generation of products, it, it will be, these battles will be fought on a case-by-case basis. And I think you know, we also have to be realistic of the challenges as well. Develop, taking, certainly in the world of um, a pharma, taking any new molecule to market is incredibly expensive. Yeah. So so it's it's less likely that hey tomorrow we're going to have cures for everything, but more likely that really important unmet clinical needs there will be an increased hope that we'll be able to tackle them and, and really produce meaningful meaningful answers to those problems. The kind of a new era would be therapies generated and tested autonomously. Yeah, I mean that's the dream, right? So the dream is 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 you, we can run at scale the process of scientific discovery, autonomously generating new knowledge on a continuous basis and developing new products from that knowledge. I mean, that is probably the most immensely exciting thing that I can certainly think of. But so, for example, and then I'll let you go. Alzheimer's, obviously, that's a huge intractable problem. There's lots of money starting to flow in that direction. But clearly, you have to cre- you have to find a target first. That's the beginning point, isn't it? Not necessarily. So certainly in the work that uh, the specific manifestation of our technology platform today, yes, you absolutely need a target in, in, in for our technology platform. Other companies are building technology platforms using phenotypic screening where you can screen large numbers of molecules and look for a change of state of the disease cells back to a healthy state where you don't have to understand the underlying target biology from the start. So there's a huge amount of excitement on on that front i would say with any of these challenges you have to be able to collapse the disease into a representative model physical real world model that you can test at high throughput and often that can be the really challenging rate limiting rate rate limiting step right so we still need humans for that right (laughs) and that is all the time we have I want to thank James for agreeing to sit down in what was a very um, harried couple days. I hope you guys found what he said thought-provoking. I certainly did. And um, I'm back from vacation. I was in Chicago last week at a wedding. It was awesome. But now I'm back at work on Danny in the Valley, writing for the Sunday Times, and also working on The Pivot. So lots going on. Please keep your eyes and ears out for The Pivot. That is coming very, very soon. And in the meantime, you can read me in the paper. You can find me online at thetimes.co.uk. Twitter, at Danny Fortson. Email me, danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk. And that is all I have. I hope you have a splendid weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.